0: Hello oh, and welcome to another edition of RZ Weekly. My name is Ruben Spalter. I'm here with Rabbi Johnny Solomon. Rabbi Johnny Solomon is a leading educator. He develops educational materials and teaches in a number of institutions across Israel and lectures around the world. Rabbi e. Brodsky is a social worker and a teacher at a number of seminaries here in Israel. Well-noted speaker, adult education lecturer in Ephraim as well. So welcome to you too. I am the director of a program called OTS Amiel Bakihila. Uh, uh, which is based in a front, sending ju- uh, delegations of, of educators and uh, artists and Israel speakers around the world. Uh, we're going to continue our discussion from last week, but sort of broaden it. We talked about the strife in both in Yad V'Yamin and in Alon Shvut, surrounding the issue of women's uh, Torah, uh, women dancing with the Torah on, on uh, Silchat Torah. But we want to not talk about specifics in any one community, but talk about a broader issue. And the issue we'd like to discuss is, why does this seem to be happening year after year? And more broadly, why is this issue and women's issues uh, in general, why do they seem to be such a flashpoint within religious communities and within the religious Zionist community? And I'm sure it's the same uh, in, in America and in whatever flavor it is uh, around the world as well. That whenever it comes to, you know, <clears throat> there are other issues that are much more questionable from a halakhic perspective, of giving aliyah to certain people and honoring different kinds of people and uh, many other myriad of other halakhic issues. But suddenly, when it comes to issues surrounding women and their ritual roles in the community, that's a flashpoint that really dri- drives emotional responses, visceral responses and uh, that we don't see in many other areas. The question, of course, is why is that? Why is it so unique uh, in our community? And I'm going to uh, pose this question first to Molly. Molly, what's going on?
1: Okay, so uh, so last week you kind of you kind of mentioned this, and um, said I'd, I'd like to think about it, and I have been thinking about it, um, and I came up with an answer that um, is either going to make everybody happy or nobody happy because
0: <laughs> I, I think those are the best kinds, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: exactly. So I would say I I, I want to look at it from from the two kind of two sides of the coin. One is something that we did mention last week, and I still think there's truth in it, which is that. Um, I think when, you could say men, but I think it's probably all people, when all people have power and then they feel that the power is being taken away from them, um, that causes a response. Um, And I think that's like the traditional, let's say, feminist answer, like, you know, men just don't want to give up their power. Um, I think I'm not going to, you know, I think there's, there's room to discuss that. I think there's probably truth to that in certain situations. But... I want to look at it from the other perspective, which was like something that like, kind of like a light bulb went off in my head. like Because Ruby, when you said, but women feel this way too, it's not just men. So then I like, I I, I reflected a little more and I realized, and I'm thinking carefully, this is a hypothesis that I'm thinking about. Um, but I wonder if one of the reasons why this touches such a nerve, and again, like, please, other women, other feminist women, don't, don't, you know, attack me for this. Thank just you. say what you're gonna say. Okay, Most I'm, saying it. You I'm just saying it. I'm saying it. Here I go. Okay, ready? Here I go. I think that um, many people have a very intuitive sense that when you that, that many people. Well, let me figure out where to start. Okay, people are aware slash afraid that if you start playing with gender issues. Um, you're playing with a dangerous thing because uh, many people have an innate sense that there are gender differences. And I think that it's, and I think, and here I am going to say this, I think that Judaism is built on an awareness of gender differences. And when you touch that button, people are like, wait, where is this going to go? And it's almost a visceral and intuitive response. They might not even be conscious of what they're afraid of, but they are afraid they, they are they are afraid that like you're pulling on the like the the unraveled thread of a sweater and they're like when you pull on that thread, where are you gonna take it? Um and 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 that leads me to like so what do you do now? Right? So so my my answer to that, so I was discussing this with, with a friend of mine. I'll, I'll actually quote her because I asked her if I could, my friend Shana Goldberg, who teaches in, in Magdellow's. Um, and we agree that Okay, that's true, but as I said last week, the slippery slide has two sides, right? And so you can't just be afraid of sliding down one edge. And she gave me the analogy, um, and again, I asked her if I could quote this, and she said I could. That S.D. Rosenberg um, get, ha, has said in the Beit Midrash at Magdalo's, um when she was asked, sort of about this issue, and what she said is, here in the in the midrashah, we teach our girls to run with their Judaism, like take it and run, right? Like be participants. Be fully active. Develop your relationship with God. Develop your relationship with Halacha, Develop your relationship with Torah. Run with it," she said. But we're also aware that at some point there's a wall. You hit a wall. Now I don't love the wall image because it's a negative thing, and I don't. I believe that the fact that Judaism is aware of gender differences is actually a positive and healthy thing. I think it's good, and I think we're living in a world that, like, we're seeing the consequences of not not um, not recognizing that. And I'm firmly on the side of. Um, of gender essentialism. There are differences, and we sh- and, and and we have to respect them and honor them, which, again, doesn't mean that I'm phobic about anybody, but okay. Um, so so Esty said, so there's this wall, right? So some of our girls hit the wall, you know, crash into the wall, and then they're like miserable, right? Because like, they want to do something, they find that they can't do something, and then all of a sudden, they're like, my religious life is over, because I can't do X and Y. Some of our girls just keep running, and kind of just, they're running, they're and they jump right over that wall and they go so much farther than we necessarily would want them to go, right? Which is like the analogy for people who let's say, don't see halacha as a boundary and they're just sailing off into their own world, right? But, but, but we are aware that there is this wall. And then the question becomes, how do we, what do we do about the fact that there is this wall, right? How, how do we as a community, Wait, as I w- community- I would ask it differently.
0: Do you see it as a wall?
1: or right okay, which wall. is why I don't love the analogy of a wall because a wall has a very negative connotation, but it's something it's there's something there here one second I'm going to ask Shana on WhatsApp what how she would call it she said hold on um, the wall while well, well, he's doing
0: yeah you, you the wall
1: it, is whatever is not going to be mutzer and open to them okay um, so let's just leave it there okay um so what do you do? Wait, wait, uh, let me ask you this,
0: Molly. Is it fair of Ramanee, of Rosenberg, to encourage girls to run full speed in such a way that ultimately they're going to smash into a wall?
1: Okay, so right. So in you know, her words,
0: in her right, words. Right, but
1: so she—that's not exactly what she said. She's what she's, what I think she was trying to say is we're teaching them to run. What we want them to do is to run.
2: But, but she like, said they're going to hit a wall.
1: Some of them. Some of them are going to hit a wall. Some of them are going to sail over the wall. But what she's hoping is that most of them, this is me. This is not SD, This is me, right? We'll kind of see that wall. Maybe let's. What do we? What, I don't know. If either of you can come up with a different analogy that's not so, you know, kind of upsetting. We'll see it. <laughs> we'll, like, examine it, understand it, walk around it, see it from all sides. Like appreciate it see see the po- I, I don't know right like that's what she's really training them to do is to is to kind of in, engage with that wall in an intelligent thoughtful way and that leads me to my next the next point which is
2: can i just uh, i just want to clarify i know that to ruby's a runner i'm not so right? much of a runner but you know runners hit not physical walls but internal walls where they where they they go to a different whole new level where their physicality, I guess, gets uh, so overcome by a drive and determination, notwithstanding the limits of the body. Yeah. I don't know. Obviously, I wasn't present in the lecture, but there are sometimes physical walls. There are sometimes psychological, emotional walls which can be overcome, uh, you know, interpret as you wish in each setting, I suppose. But "wall" depicts one thing in our heads. I think it can mean different things.
1: Correct. And and that really you know is, is is where how I'd like to see it, which is like to engage with the issue of you know the role of women in Judaism and how you do that in a nuanced, thoughtful way that holds allegiance to halacha, but at the same time an awareness that um, halacha can maybe have multiple um, um, options within it finding you know finding ways to maximize women's um, involvement um uh, at the, and at the same time recognizing sometimes the interplay between sociological and halachic maybe even sometimes saying halachically maybe there will be room for this maybe not yet and understanding that like having a having a valid like 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 giving credence to sociology as a real thing but at the same time also um, respecting women's desire to be involved, and helping them do that as much as possible. And this leads me to, to the next point I wanted to make, which is about nuance and multiplicity.
0: Hey, wait a come back to the community. I'm, I'm a little lost what I'm trying to say. So come back, like, why does this, come back to the community strife issue.
1: Okay, okay so good. So the community strife issue is that, first of all, the reason it, it hits a button is because I really think this is what it is. It's like, people know that this is not a small thing. People know that you're touching something that, that has roots that are very very foundational both to Judaism and to our lived human experience. like they're psychologically aware of that and so it, it like touches a nerve. Now again I'm not gonna not, I'm not gonna only say that. I, I also think there are other less laudable reasons but I don't want to minimize that. I think there's something real there. Now again, that being said though, that doesn't necessarily mean that therefore you say okay, so then everything is us now we need to engage in conversation. And here is where you come to community. And I, the other thing I really want to make space for is it's astounding to me, it's astonishing how much pain is, is 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 um, I don't know what the word is, comes up, caused, uncovered by these issues. Like people are crying. People are crying and they're not just crying in one community or in two communities. They're crying in almost every community that this happens in. Um, and and that has to do again with the fact that you're talking about people's personal relationship with God, people's sense of belonging, people's sense of their relationship with Judaism, their sense of belonging to the community. Um, it's there's so many. Um, there's it's, it's just it it people are in such pain, and therefore we do need to have a way to to um, to solve these things in a healthy way and. and and, and Wait, Lally, before
0: we get to the community issue, I want to let Johnny respond. And I'm gonna also have share some thoughts about this issue, and then we'll come turn it back to okay,
1: because addressing guy the issue of community really strife. Really make yeah, way. yeah, we'll come back to it. We'll okay. make it a 2 you So sure you we don't want two to say, two say two quickly, quickly, quickly
0: one thing. Yes, because it's a okay. second issue. And I want Johnny to I want Johnny to give Johnny a chance to respond and uh, to talk about this issue. Johnny, why don't you just I wanna to turn to Johnny and ask you like what is your position on why is the issue of women's issues such a hot point, hot button issue. And such a point of contention in our community this episode of rz weekly is brought to you by kita for home plus we all know families whose children are not studying in formal jewish education for any number of reasons could be covid could be the school wasn't right for them could be financial but they still are looking for a meaningful jewish learning solution for their children that's why we created Kitah for Home Plus. Kitah for Home Plus is modeled after the world-famous Khan Academy using flipped learning, YouTube videos, and Google Forms to allow children to learn classic Judaic subjects, Mishnah, Chumash, and Gvara, on their own time, on their own schedule, in a way that's exciting and meaningful for them to learn. We're starting a new semester of Kitah for Home called Kitah for Home Plus, in which children will learn three courses each week, plus have a Zoom lesson to meet with the teacher, that would be me, as well as interact with other students in the class. Kitab for Home lessons are designed for students in middle school from grades 5 through grades 8 and focus on basic skills, decoding of text, understanding of Shorashim, critical skills that children need that serve as a foundation for Jewish learning throughout their lives. Now through the end of Hanukkah, families that sign up for Kitah for Home will receive eight free days, that's two lessons, so that they can learn about the benefits of Kitah for Home firsthand. To learn more, log on to Kita.org homeplus. That's kitah, K-I-T-A-H dot O-R-G homeplus. And now, back to the show.
2: Okay, I'll be brief because I'm really fascinated to hear what uh, what Mali wants to add. But uh, I think there are three issues. Um, obviously, there's some overlap between the three. Uh, let's begin with the practical one. Some people will talk about it as, as control, space, uh, uh, and the fear that those with uh, positions of power or hierarchy may well feel that that may be taken away from them. Uh, th- there's a lot written about that, discussed about that, I think to not acknowledge that would be foolish, but to necessarily think that's the only issue may well be also blinkered. But I want to add two further contributions. Um num- Number two, which is, we have a wonderful tradition, a Torah tradition, and it describes a set of uh, way of life. And undoubtedly, especially in the last uh, uh 50 to 100 years, in terms of the role of women, uh, boundaries in terms of inclusion and rights have significantly shifted. Uh, I think all three of us would say that's broadly very much a positive thing. But then there becomes almost a, uh, a disparity between the world that some of our texts describe and the world that we're living in. That makes us really question the applicability of all of the, the traditions we hold dear. Now, obviously, we know that there's lots of parshanut and lots of nuance. And most of our commentaries have, have not just found a way, but have gone out of their way to uh, align developments in society with the absolute demand of morality from the Torah, and also sometimes the, the subjective uh, requirements that halacha may well put on us. And, and I don't want to say that too broadly, but there are times where things that we're asked to do relate to time and place, and obviously things which uh, are unbending are whatsoever. But when a person sees radical changes in the world, it may well make them ask themselves, I have here a battle with engaging with a modern world, which is, is changing on a daily basis, or aligning myself with a, a place uh, and a frame of uh, reference, which is home and I know is traditional. And by the way, we generally use that, the word Masora, and I obviously strongly believe and, and, and uh, hold dear the notion of Masora. But Masara ultimately is one of the reasons people struggle with this issue. What my uh, uh, great-great-grandparents were doing isn't necessarily what's being called upon to be done now. And I want to know, do I align myself with them or do I go with the flow now? And uh, especially where many leaders lead out of fear, I I find myself in tension. And that tension is expressed in response to uh, requests, demands, and desires to for communities to adapt and develop that's point number two point number three is you know we often see in jewish communities or regrettably but it's certainly the case and this is recorded already in the time of the gomorrah that there is a, um, a a a response to room or ba'alei Chuba by some jews sometimes people say the geretetic abal Chuba, you know shabali enim at the same time there have there have been responses both to Bali Chuba and to that they seem to have a greater enthusiasm for my tradition than me, and that makes me feel queasy. And so uh, there is a, a, um, a knee-jerk reaction of of wishing to to somehow marginalize them because their actions, their activities, their enthusiasm makes me feel less good about myself. And I think we also see that there's been a renaissance in in uh, women's learning and women's involvement in terror studies. And some men basically say they seem to be more plugged in than me. And I'm the person who's uh, maybe going to shul more regularly. Um, how can it be? There's something obviously troublesome in the air. And though some will say, wow, that's tremendously impressive. Others will uh, respond like some have done historically, regrettably, but it's true, towards ballet and towards, uh, towards Gerim. So those are three things. One is, I suppose, control. One is a confusion about my, the application of Masera to a changing world. And one is, what do I do when other people seem to be more enthusiastic about the things I'm supposed to be doing? Uh, and how does that make me feel?
0: Okay, I would like to add, uh, to respond to what, uh, particularly O'Malley said, but also sort of echo what she started with and sort of uh, deepen it just a little bit. Uh, I don't think, at least in the communities that I'm exposed to, that it's a power issue. I, I, I just don't see it in that way. I mean, maybe, I, I know there are issues of power and control, but in this issue, I don't see it as such, especially because in the, in the examples that I've seen, it hasn't been a, a, a mechanism to sort of to threaten control. That's just not what I've seen in my experience in, in our community, but okay. I'm, I'm sure that it is in other examples. In other. But I think that this issue, I've been thinking about it a lot, and I think that it reflects an anxiety that many people have about this tension that sort of Johnny sort of alluded to between uh, our, in the lives in which we lead, between our secular lives and our religious lives and the nature of the religious communities that we wanna, that we wanna live in and that we, wanna, that we wanna raise our children in especially. And, and I think it's a, a deeper anxiety, reflects an anxiety that people have about their community. This is the flash point. What kind of community are, are we gonna have? Because this idea of women's issues, I think everybody deep down knows that we live with a sense of cognitive dissonance. I think, Johnny, you sort of alluded to this, that the lives that we lead do not reflect the lives that we read in the sources. And there's just no, very often, and there's no more greater example of that than the lives we lead outside, where women are fully engaged in society. A woman could be a and she could be a head of a company, and she could be actively involved in a primary force in her community. But all of a sudden, when she enters the ritual space, She's either, you know, even in the most generous and you know wonderful mechitzah where she can see everything, she's still a passive participant in 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 the ritual of of, of Jewish life or traditional Jewish life, and and it's interesting. There's there's a there's a reason for that because that's how Chazal established it and that's how Jewish life was. So I want to read you an interesting quote from Cook and maybe you'll, and he's talking about a change that was proposed and, and he writes the following. He says, "We hear, okay, we have we have a, we have a voice. We hear min Torah, min Hanaviim, min Aktuvim, from the Torah, from the prophets, from the who even how do you write that? I don't know, Johnny. Aktuvim, what are they? The, writ, the written the writing. word, what the writings? Min Halacha, min Haagada, from Halacha, from Agada. Hamaresh Ruchah Uma Kulo Betsibiono B'Tharato. The spirit of this entire nation, Omid Neged Achidush Amuderi Azem." Is totally against this new innovation, okay? And he's saying, we're he totally against this. Anybody want to guess what Ruff Cook is writing about? Molly, you know, of course. Women's voting, I'm guessing. That's right. He was, he was people that love to quote Ruff Cook, Rev Cook, the leader of the generation, everybody, everything Ruff Cook says, everything he says goes, except, of course, when he said this, and he said it, he didn't say it like, I don't know, I'm not sure. He said it like, slam dunk. I am one million percent against this. He wrote it as strongly as he possibly could and he was completely and totally ignored. It was just, he was bulldozed. It's just like, even in his own community, even, you know, except for his followers and except, uh, you know, I'm not going to talk about Haredi or Haredi. But a Cook's point was, if you read the letter, I can send it to you if you want. You can email me and his point was this goes to the heart of what it, of what society is. And do we want to go with these moderns and do we want to have this modern society which is going to destroy the nature of the, of the family and, and gender roles and family roles? or do we want to live in a traditional society with traditional gender roles? And between you and me, of course, I don't know of course, I'm not going to say, of course, we have to consider about Cook's point. Just look at broader society and the complete and utter breakdown of the roles of, of gender roles, of family roles, and then look at how that, of, of how the loss of these classic gender roles affects literally birth rates in countries, and if you ever, if you go through the list of OECD countries, the only country in the world that is replacing itself is, probably
1: We are, Israel.
0: We are. and am not, not entirely sure why, but like every other country in the world. And they'll think about the problems that that's causing, that Europe is now importing people from all kinds of countries around the world because they simply don't have enough children, quite literally, because of the values of, you know what I'm saying? So like, and I don't think people think about this, but like these gender roles, the classic gender roles, and while you described it as, you know, gender differences, so you know, men and women are different, like they, they're, they reflect a deeper belief about the way God created the world and about our society. And somehow if we maintain them in the shul, somehow that maintains this belief in ours of the necessity of having an Abba and an Ima, and you know, Abba has his role and Ima has her role, and I think that it goes very much to this, and then Ima somehow is dancing with the Torah, then our daughter's gonna wonder, what's happening, why should I wanna raise family? Well, I, I should wanna be a CEO, I should wanna be prime minister, which she should, but she should also wanna raise a family, you know you know. I always think, I spent a number of years in, uh, in Oro Israel, in the college, a teacher's college for women, I always say to the girls, you guys have it so hard, I'm like, I, don't, I don't know how you do it, because you're expected to go to college and these girls, they walk around campus like, you know, nursing babies and go to college and working and like it's unfair because you're, you're expected to be the by it and to be the mother and you want to do that, but you're also expected to work full time in order to support your family. This is a society in which we live and it's, it's a problem. And so like, do I think people are thinking about this actively when it comes to women dancing with the Torah? No, but I think deep down, and they ask themselves, do I wanna live in a community where where these roles are being questioned? They don't. They don't want their community to turn into a more modern community and and whatever that slippery slope is gonna be. And, And whether you agree with it or not, I think that's important to be sensitive to and to be aware of. That's my two cents. We of course, can agree or disagree. Molly wanted to tell you now We're going to get back to the second issue, the issue of community strife, because I think that's a separate issue. And like, once you have these tensions, I mean, we've been experiencing just tremendous community strife. I'm not going to go into it. It's very painful because these are people that you know and love and respect, really. And I think that there's, there, there are right, uh, uh, there are objective rights and wrongs about behavior. But in this, in this fundamental issue, I really see both sides. And I really understand the tension, and it goes to the, like you said, people are crying, but people are crying on both sides. People are because you know I want it, I don't want it. It goes to the core of who I am, it goes to the core of who you are. You know, and these are wonderful people. Okay, Molly, let's put on your social worker hat. Get us out of this.
1: Okay, so first of all, I, I wanna agree with what you guys are saying and just add my perspective, which is, yes, there are these two sides. We identify with both sides. I, I, I would like I this is what how I try to live. It's how I try to educate my children, my daughters, and and my students. Which is, let's try ba'ayin tova, to try to see the positives of both of both poles instead of always la'kachregging about the negatives of each pole. Can we extract the positives of each, um, and build something healthy? That that that's like a, you know in a sentence how I would respond to what, what both of you said it's kind of you know pie in the sky and in the breach becomes much harder when when some you know when when you're feeling the pain of being denied something or as you said you know being aware of how something is pulling you apart as a woman in any direction but big picture um, again we want to run we want to run with the advances for women but we also want to run with the masora and i agree with you ruby i don't know if i would say it exactly every way that you did but in the big picture, I agree with you. I think we have to view our Masora, in, in Johnny's language, as having something very valuable to tell us. And, and, and when we play with how we, where we, where we move forward, we, we have to not forget to hold on to the ultimate messages that it's giving us. Um, which is, and the reason I'm saying that, even though you, you want to move on to the next topic, is because I think that's part of the answer. Um, I think there are two pieces to the answer. One piece has to do with leadership, but I want to talk about that second. The first thing I want to say is that I think we need to make room in communities for multiple models. I think that like this idea that we're all in one shul and therefore there has to be one minion and we're all going to do it the same way is a recipe for disaster and it's just not working. We need to create spaces that give um, different people different ways to worship or, or to express themselves on these issues um, not, not just because like, that's just fair and right, but because, it, because first, first of all, I'm, I am concerned with the women who are more, um, conservative in the sense that like, again, this came from a conversation I had this morning with a woman who in in many ways is, 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 is very educated and very mid but but she's like, I, I you know there's something in me that like, I just want my show to look the way my father's show sure looked and my grandfather's show sure looked. And I don't, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't need a Torah, she actually does something even more surprising than, than, than dancing with Safer Torah. But like these women, A, deserve a space um, and B, have something to teach us. So like.
0: I would, I would actually add that when you add the women dancing with the Torah, that can actually overtake the entire shul. Yes, exactly. Someone it told does. me about a shul in exactly. a community where somebody told me about a shul in a community where I'm not going to name, where half, like it was like all of the members of the shul stop going to that shul right. on Simchat Torah. Exactly. And all people like stream there from across the community, you know, because they want, right. the, you know. So this I was talking
1: to this woman, she was like, theoretically, a third of the women didn't want Dancing with a safer too. So like, where's their space now? So like, okay, it's good that you did a vote and now, you know, two thirds of the women are happy, but like, what about that one third? Like, don't they deserve a, a, a way to celebrate Simchat where they feel heard and seen and validated? So we need to create multiple models so that everybody has a space but we all but it's also healthy because then we can also see the beauty in everybody's position Like if nobody feels threatened and attacked and puts up their defenses because everybody already has their space Maybe we can start hearing each other and I said to this woman the, the example that's so bullet to me is um, Here we have an Ashkenazi shul and a Sparty shul and nobody expects them to dance to, to, to Daven together and to worship together because it's so clear that you have two very legitimate and very beautiful ways of celebrating um, y- y- um, Judaism or, or experiencing Judaism, but on Simchat Torah, one Hakafa, the Ashkenazim and the Sephardim leave their shuls, they dance in the joint rechava, and it's one of the most beautiful moments for a lot of people um, of the year. And that's the model. Like the model is celebrating diversity and recognizing that with that that we we can we can appreciate the diversity and that doesn't destroy our ultimate unity. So I think that is a piece that really needs to be um, taught because, because it's not, you would think that's so obvious, especially for those of us who grew up in the 80s. Like I remember a seminar where the theme was unity within diversity, right? That's so move on my left to Americans, right? But it's not move on my left to Israelis because, you know, Kibbutz socialism is where our country was and it's not move on my left to Americans anymore because they're losing that ability to hold nuance. Um, and and to appreciate competing points of view. And I think that's something that has to be brought into the conversation. Then the second piece is the piece about leadership um, and and creating – you you need leaders that are strong enough to hear multiple voices and to make space for multiple voices, but then also brave enough to make decisions and stand behind their decisions. And and how you do that is complex. And I will turn it over to you guys to fill in, you know, the rest
0: of the piece. Johnny, leadership? Is
2: that what it is? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll get to leadership in just a second. But uh, while Mali was speaking, it really made me uh, reflect on both a beautiful part, part of the Torah and also a book that I read some years ago, which I wrote about not so long ago. You know, you've described in your community, a community which I, I previously lived in, and certainly I recognize the tensions both there and so many other places, that, that there can be strife uh, and, and discord and to the point of even schism. And I, as I've mentioned before, there are some people who claim that religious schism comes purely for religious reasons. And most academics, in most instances, but not all, claim that when schisms occur, it's not just for religious or ideological reasons, it can be for social reasons. Uh, and this makes us ask ourselves how come we have always these flashpoints we mentioned before about women's issues? And let's actually just think, actually, how. Most of us broadly socialize. You know, we live in a mixed society, and that's what prompted Rob Cook to, to write what he did. Society changed, and um, he wanted to know whether the, the previous approaches still applied to a changing world. He said they did. We know Rav Uziel disagreed, and as you mentioned, almost uh, everybody seems to have, have taken that in one respect or another. But generally, we do socialize more so with our gender. That's the way of, I think, most people, not all, and not all the time. And I'd like to reflect on on brotherhood and sisterhood, because we just had Simchat Torah. And just putting aside the Dantum the Sefer Torah. In my synagogue, you know, somebody gets uh, get given the honor of Chatan Torah uh, and Chatan B'Reshit. I know them. I don't know them. I clap for them. They're, they're a member of my community. They're a brother. I'm happy for them. And yet, if, if a woman would be given an honor, there seems to be a certain knee-jerk reaction of, whoa, 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 what's happening here? I recall the story of, uh, you know, when Moshe is given uh, the leadership of Am Yisrael, and he's worried about how Aaron, his brother is going to receive it. And the Kurdish Baruch Hu says to him, "You know, He's going to see you, and he's going to be joyous in our heart. And Rashi says, I know sometimes we think people are going to be embittered, when others uh, also get the mantle of leadership, but Aaron's special. It seems to be, though, that when men see women have uh, greater rises in terms of their knowledge and participation, there's less of that kind of brotherhood tapping on the you know, metaphor, uh, metaphorical back, and there's more of a, of a feel of threatening. And I think it could be actually rooted in just how we, how we relate to one another, I may well, see, may well see most men as a brother, but I do, do I see most women in our community as a sister? If I don't, perhaps that can be a lacking that's brought us to where we are. And to just come full circle, I'll finish in just a second. It, you know, people will like to claim that the reason why they react to things mm-hmm. and say is because of religion and is because of Masora. And there's, and there's truth to it, and I already alluded to that. But maybe it just could be that I, I don't feel so comfortable with that person getting Uh, opportunities that I may well want. This is not a complete thought, by the way. This is a thought in progress. So anybody, any listener wants to add to it, feel free to, any one of you. But those are just uh, ideas on my mind.
0: Okay, I want to conclude with that. I I, I want to share my thoughts. Molly spoke about the idea of creating space for multiple voices. And I, I, of course, I totally agree with you. I think it's a beautiful idea. The problem that we encountered here is that the sense that the addition of another voice drowns out the first voice. Meaning, meaning, you know, if there's, if it's, if it's, if there's, if doesn't exist, the second somebody creates something, then it creates an entirely new reality. People were not willing to have that second voice, which I sort of understand. Right? Like, I like, I, I disagree with it, but I'm, I'm really trying very hard to understand it. Now, so, so at first, I, I, something you said to me, yeah, like I've been trying to create is this idea of communication of talking to people. Like one of the things that we've mm-hmm. stopped doing, we've stopped answering on WhatsApp. And I saw my neighbor the other day, and they're very active in this whole dispute on WhatsApp. And I said to them, "We have to talk." Like Molly, you just like like the story you told last week about having that community event, and uh, and that everybody got to listen to each other. It's so important, and I agree with you. I wish more people were aware of it. You know, having the opportunities to interact. I think that's very very important. But in the end, I think that especially in issues. In issues of, of, that are so tense, you might, I, you might think that it's right, but you also have to be smart. Yeah. And, you know, and like I, I really have, like, I think I've changed 180 degrees on this issue in my own personal perspective. I think that women, certainly have a right to dance to the Torah. I have no problem with women dancing with the Torah at all. Even in the first shul, I was the rabbi of uh, in Hartford, Connecticut. Allah, shalom, Rachel. Uh, we went and danced with the Torah. It was fine. They, they danced before I got there. They danced with the Torah after I got there. It was fine. Um, but in, in Yad Binyamin, maybe they shouldn't do it in the public space. Maybe the women should do it, even though they have every right to do it in the public space. Maybe it would be smarter for them to do it in a private space. Because when you create a reality on the ground, that pe- it gives people a chance to sort of, I would say, assimilate the reality and we saw this exact example when it came to women's McGillar reading. Yes, McGillar reading, no women's McGillar reading, blah, blah, blah. It was like a whole thing. And then, so we did it in somebody's house. And the women who wanted it went to that person's house. And they did it for another year. And by the third year, it was an annex in the show. And now it's like in the show, nobody says anything. Because people have adjusted to the idea. And so if so many people are so upset about something, the fact that you have a right to do it, and the fact that you sh- maybe even should do it, doesn't mean you shouldn't do it with the sensitivity to other people's, to other people's sensitivity. And, and yes, they're oversensitive, and yes, they shouldn't obviously shouldn't react in a violent way, and that's totally wrong. But if they're reacting in such a way, maybe you shouldn't provoke them. You have to give them a chance to get used to it and realize that the slippery slope isn't so slippery. And I really like, you know, I really changed my mind about it because, like, who are you to tell me what to do? And maybe you should control your reactions. All of that's correct. But that doesn't mean that it's the smart way of doing things when ahdut and community
2: unity is also an important value. All right. Can I just, I just once I say challenge, just add, shall we say, a postscript. I think what you say is broadly and in theory correct. However, that presumes, though, that uh, each side gets heard with the same level of dignity and respect. And, you know, I, I was just thinking out loud about brotherhood and sisterhood, you know, a half-baked idea, but it, I, I'm not entirely convinced. In all communities, and this is nothing specific to to Yamin or or, or, or Alon Shvo, where we were referring to also last time, we're not entirely convinced that when a, a group of women says we plan to do things, and even with with the street smarts that you suggest, it's received in the same way as it may well be received by men. That's not necessarily purely. Uh, a question of gender could be, again, uh, uh, each case, perhaps, to its own, each community to its own. But the the we need to know that when somebody makes a request, and that's a sincere one, we don't align to them improper intentions any more than any other person. And what I find, and I think this is something which we've discussed before, is when it comes down to women's issues, we presume that there is somehow a, a, a misplaced intention when it comes down to other innovations, we don't allow that presumption to occur. And so the general natural way of growth and, and, um, and naturalization, uh, you know, familiarization of new trends becomes much trickier in this respect.
0: But I'm telling you, Johnny, I just gave you an example of a women's issue that wasn't, it was a flashpoint and that over a very short amount of time, this became de facto. In many many correct but as it
2: but again without no, getting no, specific no, you get as it, you it, know that was a per that say, it's changed that that, that that may be but as you know that the plan uh, in Simchat Torah was supposed to be in a different building and it was blocked, and that's why the whole issue rose, meaning that should have happened, it didn't. The Wait, fact yeah, it didn't suggest it, you, 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 something did the issue,
0: else. I disagree with you, it was in a community building, and the Rabbi of Yeshuv had said it should be in a community building, in okay. like a private home. Okay,
1: can I, can I'm I'm I just you, say one
0: thing? Yeah, go ahead, please. I, I don't, I don't no, want to no, I think you get into specifics.
1: But. No, 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 I think you're both right. I think what you're saying, Ruby, is also true, but the larger mechanism of halacha, and this is what I always say, I say, like, the reason halacha worked for the past 2,000 years is because it has a very careful balance of innovation versus um, preservation. And so it's slow, but it's eventu- it eventually works. And that's actually very frustrating for women because it means that things are going to be slow. And I agree with Johnny that we have to be careful that, that that the slowness is the ruby slowness of wisdom and preservation and acclimating in a healthy way and not the, what, what, what does happen that Johnny is describing, which is the um, unhealthy slowness of suspicion and fear and, um, you know, false attributions and maybe even power. Um, so so the, this is what we have to so we have to work towards. By the way, Johnny, in terms of what you said about men, there's an article by C.S. Lewis where he talks about men, um, mm-hmm. he talks about men liking to be in clubs. And he says, like, men like to be in clubs. Men like to be in men's clubs, it's not because they're misogynists. It's because they like it. Women also like to be in women's groups. Um, and it, it, you know, what we call you know what we call that.
0: Sure.
1: Right. Exactly. So, <laughs> so, so like, I think both genders or sexes, whatever word you want to use, have to be sensitive to the fact that like, it leave people also the place for their clubbishness. That's also healthy. If you open everything up and everything becomes egalitarian, first of all, the men are going to stop coming. That's what's going to end up happening. We don't want to create that, so therefore, we don't allow spaces for women. But maybe we have things that are just for men, things that are just for women, and things ways in which we afford both men and women opportunities. But, but, Johnny, your 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 what you were saying is actually a true thing, and I don't think that that as women we should be like, oh, those stupid men—they just want to exclude us. No, there is something called clubbishness, and it's. I believe legitimate both for males and for females. Again, it with the caveat that you're not you when you create your club, you're not therefore excluding the other gender from having either a parallel experience or a joint experience.
0: Okay, I think there's a great place to stop. Uh, if you want, Molly, can you send me that article on the, the C.S. Lewis quote uh, on the magic? I wrote, I read it in
1: college, but I'll, uh,
0: okay. I'm all sure of you will. his books. Uh, if you want the Rav Cook article, email me. If you want to just get general great knowledge, email Johnny because he's got all this uh, wealth of everything knowledge. Um, we'll stop here. I want to thank uh, Molly and Johnny for uh, for their time. I want to thank my son Petachis for creating our music. Anybody else that I should thank? I always uh, end off with this way. Thank Thanks all of you for listening. We actually would love to hear from you to know um, who's listening, right. listener feedback if you have any. Or we'd be happy to respond. Okay, everybody, have a good week. And-